0: Welcome, dear readers. You're listening to Time to Read, a Winnipeg Public Library podcast book club. We are coming to you from our little scientific outpost we like to call the Carol Shields Auditorium, which is located on the Antarctic continent known as Millennium Library. We are, of course, located on Treaty 1 territory and on land that is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji-Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation. In this episode, we will discuss Where'd You Go, Bernadette by Maria Semple. If there is a book you think we should discuss in the future, let us know at wpl-podcast.winnipeg.ca. I'm Alan Chorney, and if our podcast group were the Beatles, I'd be in trouble, because I'm tone deaf. (laughs) And to my right is...
1: My name's Kirsten, and I am always raging at her. The Smith Library.
2: I'm Trevor Blackberry Bush Lockhart, and I'm the branch head of the Louis Real Library. Uh, across the table from me is...
3: I'm Erica Ball. I'm the branch head at Fort Garry Library. I am not quick enough to think of one of these, so that's it.
4: <laughs> Sorry. A good book can carry me away from an ever engine ordinary. So that-
0: And you, dear readers, we couldn't do this without you. It's your questions and comments that form the heart of our discussions, so make us laugh or make us cry by emailing us at wpl-podcast at winnipeg.ca, or leave a comment on our website, wpl-podcast.winnipeg.ca. Find out if your comments made on the air by subscribing to Time to Read on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, or other fine podcasting services. In a moment, Kirsten will start us off by giving us a brief bio of Maria Semple, followed by Erica, who will spoil everything with a brief synopsis. Then it's on to the discussion, which you can get in on by emailing us at wpl-podcast at winnipeg.ca or finding us on Facebook. Don't forget to stick around to the end for a special segment, Nerd Words
1: for Word Nerds. Kirsten? Maria Semple is an American novelist and screenwriter, born in California, but moved to Spain after she was born. But then her father, a screenwriter himself, wrote the pilot of a series called Batman? And the family moved back to California. She says her adolescent years were formative for her as a writer. She spent a lot of time alone, which is when she says, your imagination starts to catch fire. She has written for TV series, including Mad About You, Ellen, and Arrested Development. This experience, she says, helped hone her comedy writing skills where each character needs to speak in a specific style of dialogue. She moved to Seattle when she wanted to write novels full-time. She hated everything about Seattle at first, but has grown to love it, and she lives there today. Semple and her partner are very big supporters of the Global Amphibium Assessment. So big, in fact, that on 2007, a newly discovered species of moss frogs from Sri Lanka was named Philautus popae, after their daughter, Poppy, Maria Semple.
3: Okay, your summary. This is just the publisher summary. Bernadette Fox is notorious. To her Microsoft guru husband, she's a fearless partner. To other private school mothers in Seattle, she's a disgrace. To design mavens, she's a revolutionary architect. And to 15-year-old B, she is her best friend and simply mom. Then Bernadette vanishes. It all began when B aced her report card and claimed a promised reward of a family trip to Antarctica. But Bernadette's intensifying allergy to Seattle and people in general has made her so agoraphobic that a virtual assistant in India now runs her most basic errands. A trip to the end of the earth is problematic. To find her mother, B compiles email messages, official documents, and secret correspondence, creating a compulsively readable and surprisingly touching novel about misplaced genius and a mother and daughter's role in an absurd world. I love that part about the, uh, the voices, the different voices for each character.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, like, it's no surprise that this book was made into a movie. Yeah. I think, like, it's ready to go. <laughs> it, yeah. Absolutely.
2: Did anyone watch the movie?
1: Not yet. No. No, I
2: haven't seen it. But actually, I was thinking the other thing. I thought a book like this would be hard to make into a movie because it's made up of letters and emails and things, and you don't have a whole lot of actual dialogue that you could just duplicate. Like, you'd have mm-hmm. to create. Here we are talking about a movie none of us have seen, but I feel like you have to like <laughs> like like the like, like screenplay would have to be almost you like you take the ideas from the book and the plot, but then also then almost like recreate it. But if it's done well, you have the spirit of the story. Mm-hmm. But you, I, I don't know. Like I, I mean, there are lots of but- uh, stories like this that do get turned into movies, but.
1: But lots of the letters um, and emails actually included dialogue. I was noticing that because I'm like, hmm, I need to start like quoting people in my emails. Oh, right. Um, yes. like, yeah. And That's even um, when the doc, was doing her report she mm-hmm. even had like she she yeah. shared the dialogue so that's where i thought okay this is uh this you've,
0: you've never quoted anyone in a report before? I, i'm going to start I, I've, I've totally done that like a yeah. whole dialogue
1: between people well, well <laughs> definitely
0: yeah.
2: quotation marks yeah like, said
0: exactly sure. this just just, just recently
2: <laughs> like in a, in a work-related email i had to summarize a like a thread of emails but rather than just summarize them <laughs> I had to sort of almost like copy and paste yeah. like verbatim and then I was like the narrator like I said and then this person <laughs> said this <laughs> uh, and then this person followed up with this and this is what the response we got from IT or whatever it was you know right, and then, yeah. and so I created like a little story uh, rather than try to like send the whole thread yeah. in because then you know, who wants to read through right like six or seven yeah. things so I kind of I, I kind of recreated. Kind of, I
3: like kind of like doing that yeah. Yeah. You you like, like do know go back right? to the yeah. beginning okay. and yeah. then see how the conversation goes see, but, but that's
2: i i i never have enough foresight to go back to the very beginning so i always read it in reverse order and it just like it doesn't like, make sense no, at all it's, all to you. it's like uh that memento the, or whatever <laughs> yeah. i like i have polaroids and like you know <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah so anyway what i did was that like, makes for, some
1: sense yeah. as to some of the responses to some of my emails yeah to you, yeah, like, yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah i never know what's going on uh, or i know how things end yeah like like r- most recently <laughs> we, we were talking today about Potential future books to read, yeah. and I was responding like a full day later to the most recent email, and then I realized, <laughs> oh, there was a chain of emails of everyone discussing, and here I am chiming in on about my thoughts after everything's been kind of decided and everyone's feeling good, and here I am showing up saying, Whoa, "What do you guys think about this?" And then you know, so it worked. Yeah, so I I, I have summarized, right. I've quoted people, and they yeah. made a little story about it, and that's fun mm-hmm. to read. Mm-hmm. Well, right? that's
3: like an executive summary of the chain, then, right? Like, right. so anybody who comes in can just, you know, exactly. read but, it the way you want to read it, but, which is just what is what do I actually need to know?
2: But I suppose the danger in that too is that I could put my own little editorializing, subjective spin on it, mm-hmm. and you might lose the actual. That's why I can some understand why you'd like to read the original things as they appear, because you get to you get the get the mood, you get the read the read the feeling in the moment, as opposed to some guy a week later coming back and saying. <laughs> oh, this is what they really meant to say. Or whatever, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Which is interesting if you think about the book,
0: because B obviously had that executive power in putting mm. the book together, and, mm-hmm. and we see the story through B's eyes as opposed to any other character's eyes. I yeah. mean, this is in the way that she ordered the email. And she adores mm-hmm. her mother. Yeah. Yes.
3: So who knows what she may yeah. have left out? Yeah. Potentially yeah. one could ask.
0: Well, it's interesting because her mother doesn't even come across as that sympathetic of a mm-hmm. character at a lot of times no. uh, throughout the novel. Even though you can tell B loves her mom a lot, which, you know, who yeah. wouldn't love their mom?
2: And I feel like it's well, almost one of those... This- of-
0: well, <laughs> I mean,
3: let me, let's just not say it's you know, impossible for someone <laughs> to not get along with their mom. Yeah.
0: But I'm just living in
2: fairyland here <laughs> where everyone loves their mom.
3: Everybody always loves if I was everybody. thinking, too,
2: like, yeah, I, that's a really good point about how it, it's filtered through Bee's eyes because even though, yeah, there are definitely sections where Bernadette does not come off as the greatest human. I still think that Bea was admiring what her mom was doing, mm-hmm. like the way she stood up to people and the way mm-hmm. she just didn't give a care for a lot of mm-hmm. stuff. And, <laughs> and, and and it's interesting how you yeah you wonder, OK, she shaped Bernadette's story mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. through what she chose to put in the book as opposed to what she left out. Mm-hmm. And some of it is just like so funny, like her emails between her and Manjula, the mm-hmm. virtual assistant. Mm-hmm. And oh, there's so much about it that I loved, yeah. you know. Yeah.
3: Yeah, the oversharing, and then Manjula would be like, "I will help you with this. Yeah. Please send the relevant
2: information." <laughs> what nice. is a month? Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> just send the credit card number and the uh, <laughs> right. CCV code. Or
1: so is the title. Uh, there's no I, uh, when there's I was no creating. Some, there's no question mark. So yeah. when I was creating the the questions on our website, and I at first had set, written, "Where'd you go, Bernadette?" Question mark. And then I'm like, "Oh, there's no question mark." Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: There, there's not enough room on well, the book. Look at that. The
1: type, wow. typeface goes right know. across <laughs> to the <laughs> end.
0: Where'd Where you go, go Bernadette? Yeah. Do, is, oh, it
2: a
1: is it a you question? Is yeah. it a rhetorical question? Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. No, it's, it's a, a good question. question. It's a, it's
2: a, is it? No. You, you, so, how would you read it then if it was, if, if do you think that was a conscious choice to not include a question mark? Oh, it
0: had to have been. There's no way a copy mm-hmm. editor would have been like, <laughs> <laughs> missed that on the title. <laughs> so, it, it like had to be conscious. <laughs>
3: I don't know. I saw a book today that had been, the cover had been bound upside down. So you opened up the book and all the content was upside down. So I'm just saying, (laughs) things get missed.
1: But no, I think this was, this Mm -hmm. was on purpose. Yeah, Yeah, I think so too. And I think it was more, it was a fait accompli that she, or it was always understood that she was going to go somewhere. She was going to, and so question isn't really, where did you go? It's just like, well, we, yeah, How did going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It was more
3: like, where did you go, Bernadette? Where did you go,
1: Bernadette? Where? But I,
3: it, I mean, you could also theorize that she had gone missing in a way before she physically disappeared, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. From her own life. Yeah. Because she ran away from her creativity and her designing and all that stuff. And she just sort of hid out in this crumbling house.
2: Yeah. The question yeah. could be asked by her former colleagues and uh, architect pals in L.A. too. Like, where'd you go, Bernadette? You're the next best big thing here and now. What Seattle? But also, you know, like.
3: But there's also no
1: answer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right? Yep.
2: Mm. Like.
1: Yeah, there's no answer, so it's a rhetorical. Yeah. Yeah. Question. But yeah. you still put a question mark on a rhetorical question.
0: I guess so. But it makes for a good discussion. <laughs> <laughs>
2: maybe maybe she'll write a sequel. Uh, that's just called Antarctica. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Period. Yeah, but then that's a spoiler. Well, I yeah. mean,
3: what we never see is her, or I don't think. You know, no, do we see her letter? Her letter. To be? Yes. The, oh, we do.
1: Yeah, that's the At last the very end. Chapter. Yeah. 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 Which also was like, okay, so you put it all into this one letter and you w- a- have sworn off of emails and all other forms of communication now, except for a letter by post. And you're like, yeah. okay, I'm going to write all of it in here that I'm safe yeah. and I'm going to count on so the postal system to yeah. deliver this to be. Right. At school. At school. Yeah. yeah. But
2: then that creates the drama. I mean, I, you're right. You have but to I mean, suspend like, your...
3: When Bernadette gets belief. involved in a creative endeavor, she doesn't spend a lot of time on reality. No, that's right. true. And like practical concerns.
1: So... Yeah. So even when you said like she sort of went and got away from her creativity, I don't think she ever really did. I think yeah. she's a creative... Yeah person in absolutely everything that she does, whether it's like going on that restaurant that turns up at the top there and putting, maybe everybody does this, I don't know, putting the the card on. She explained
0: that 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 was a known thing, not that I've ever seen that before, but you know,
1: we can try that Well, then leaving like rude messages for people too, (laughs) what's your problem? This is a child's birthday. What's wrong with you people? Yeah. B always knew that Bernadette would always, always, always have her back. Yes, yeah. That's why I think she loved how kind of wild she was sometimes, mm-hmm. um, and was able to to show that realistically. Like she wasn't like hiding anything like yeah. that because she was also that way with her in her sort of strong love for for B, and B knew that.
2: Yeah, and, and, and in return, B literally went to the ends of the earth for her. Mm-hmm. You know, to find her. And I don't know how many people would. You know, go to that effort, but if we want to just get back to a again to a movie none of us have ever seen. I have read a review of the movie, and they said one of its weaknesses is the opening scene. Oh, I read that too. Yeah, is of Bernadette in a kayak or in a canoe in Antarctica and then the whole thing is kind of told as flashbacks so you already kind of know the ending before you i mean i kind of knew that they would always find her but there was a part of me that it's like where did she go is she in Antarctica like i was actually feeling like uh, almost like uh seasickness when they were on that cruise because i was like my heart was kind of in my chest thinking like how like i was hoping it was like i just you know i I, was not a done deal for me no i i kind of think it would have been
0: a better book had they not found bernadette I I was like I remember being in that emotional state where I was like oh maybe they're not going to find her oh what a surprise oh how how are Elgin and B going to handle this and mm-hmm. how are they going to repair their relationship with each other and mm-hmm. I was like oh it kind of doesn't need a nice little bow and I was kind of disappointed that they they wrapped it up real real nice yeah. like
2: that Although after that's last month's changeling. There, I, I was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right the changeling. Yeah.
3: No, that would have been a whole other book. Like, that would have been a very different book. Yeah, for
2: sure you'd need three question marks at the end of that if that's how it ended. Well, I think
0: I would have... Yeah, well, I, I liked it. I think I would have like been singing its praises if that's how it ended, If if
2: Bernadette had never been found.
3: <laughs> and I would have cried for a week and a half. <laughs> yeah. So i'm glad it ended the way
2: it did. Well, maybe the movie maybe they'll get to the end and all they find is an overturned canoe <laughs> <Twist>. <laughs> <laughs> this, is a, this
1: is a new so podcast nerd. movies we haven't seen <laughs> but how we think they should be yeah. filmed yeah.
3: <laughs> how we would change things <laughs> we should
0: so speaking of running away one of the questions we asked is uh if you could run away from it all where would you escape to
1: Dennis said New, Zealand. New <laughs> Zealand, which I think is Wouldn't a really good, uh, a good choice. It's on my bucket list. Yeah. Never been there. Did we have some people uh, we, respond? We
0: did. We did. <laughs> Carrie from uh, Instagram said that she hadn't read the book, but if she would, would escape, she would go fishing and play with some horses or shoot some guns. Smiley face, uh, Okay emoji whoa <laughs> which is which is interesting because it's she's not escaping to like a physical place but she's escaping to activities that she would do
3: yeah with- and i guess mine would be similar mm-hmm. if we can go ahead and jump into ours yeah, yeah. place with a beautiful view right some kind of natural view comfy pillows blankets books good food coffee Anywhere that fulfills those criteria, I'd be happy to. Speak but in, to. A,
2: in a perfect situation, would you be there solitary, or would you be there with family, with friends? Uh, I would friends? like to be
3: around people that let me read when I wanted to mm-hmm. read.
2: Yeah, it's the best of both worlds.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> you Sometimes could, you talking.
0: You press a button and some barriers <laughs> would come down <laughs> around you. With a little no. flag up
1: saying. No, it's just when, when you up.
3: when you look back at your book, they leave you alone, mm. and then when you feel like talking, you put your book down. Perfect.
1: Yeah, I have this little image in my mind of a few years ago when I went to Manaki and I stayed in a yurt. Mm -hmm. And it was wintertime and it was super, super, super cold, but it was so nice and warm in this yurt. And there's this huge beanbag chair and I just sat there and read and there's a beautiful view. And I often go back to that in my Mm -hmm. head when I'm just trying to go back Mm -hmm. to escape. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. It was so nice. But then I also think about places that are actually super far away too, like… Morocco or New Zealand. Yeah.
3: yeah. Escape, escape. Mm -hmm. Go someplace Mm -hmm. really different. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, in
2: this day and age, though, it's like it's so much harder to, like, get a place that truly is remote, right? Even if you Mm -hmm. went to Morocco, you probably could still get, you know, (laughs) Wi-Fi. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying that, you know, like, it's a different kind of thing now. Like, escaping, you know... That you're you're more
0: connected than ever before? Kind
2: of. It's harder
0: to
1: escape maybe now than, than
2: say, you mm -hmm. know, even 30 years ago where you could just Mm -hmm. go off the grid.
0: Well, you can just go somewhere where you can throw your phone in the ocean.
1: You can always throw your phone in the ocean. You have to get to the ocean. Or the river. Or down over a cliff. It's more dramatic if you throw it in the actual ocean. Yeah, I think that would be more fun.
3: Until the ocean just, like, washes it back up (laughs) to (laughs) you.
0: We also had a comment from Sin Doyle on Instagram who said that they love this book. They love the writing style and the way it was told through communication. It was funny, charming, and quirky. But this, uh, this novel was structured, and there's a fancy name for that, which is Kirsten.
1: Epistolary?
0: Epistolary, which means...
1: Written in the form of letters and documents and...
0: Emails and police emails, reports and, yeah. and more. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the questions we asked is if people still write and mail letters and do you keep email correspondence? I keep most email correspondence. Uh, I feel like we have talked about can. this
1: before because I remember you saying that you keep all your email correspondence. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes with junk mail, I get rid of it, but mostly oh, it's just...
3: Sometimes, it sometimes you get rid of junk mail.
0: <laughs> well, only I get rid of more, but it's a pain to go through and like filter out all the junk mail and, and just get rid of it. You have to sure. examine it in case there's something important. Do you? <laughs> I do. <laughs> can you just delete? <laughs> sometimes I wish I could.
3: I mean, luckily there's some things with huge storage capabilities where you're like, I'll just leave it for now. I keep everything
0: emails and letters anything personal
3: yeah Yeah. anything that documents my life or friends life or family's members life or it was created by them
0: yeah Yeah. I do too and then part of me is like maybe I shouldn't
3: yeah maybe not I mean it's not for everybody Mary Kondo would not say that
0: that's necessary but do you guys remember that Baz Luhrmann song sunscreen sure yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) I like it isn't his advice to like hold on to love letters is that true I seem to remember that being a line in that song, like, hold on to old love letters or something like that.
1: I've had uh, burning parties before Mm. where I've burned letters. That
3: could probably be a very good idea sometimes. It was very,
1: very, yeah, cathartic. Have
0: you ever regretted it? Uh, no. 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 Because <laughs> cause I am the type of person who saves all my old love letters. I have them in a old lunchbox somewhere, and it's, like, kind of sad. Like, I don't know that there's any positive <laughs> reason to go back to them
2: or, like, you know, to... Well, when someone, like, has taken the time to to write them and they're heartfelt, it's a hard thing to just throw out, even if things have ended. Yeah. Uh, well, and, yeah,
1: and, I mean, I, I didn't burn all of my letters. Yeah. From this particular relationship, it was just some that were sort of... Had to go. That just really had to go. I didn't want to be dwelling on what was inside them. But I do have some other ones that had been written, you know, years before, sort of, you know, at the beginning.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But no, but here's a really important question, Alan. Mm -hmm. What's on the lunchbox? (laughs) That <laughs> these are stored in.
0: Uh, it's a Fallout Three lunchbox. Oh. So. I knew it was important. <laughs> that's, that's very telling. <laughs> and coincidental. It just happens to be the only lunchbox I own. <laughs> oh
3: sure. There are no accidents, Freud says.
1: So what about you?
2: Oh, everyone's looking at me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah I feel like.
2: Yeah, you know. I, I guess I, I don't really have an interesting answer. I I have a. Do you still of write of... letters though? No. Do you
1: still have any keepsakes from your childhood?
2: Well, oh, thank you for asking, Erica. Yes, in fact, <laughs> I've
1: been following along a very yeah. interesting thread yeah. on your yeah. Instagram account. I,
2: well, I yeah, very recently, uh, my mom uh, got into this thing called Swedish death cleaning, which is the idea kind of like Marie Kondo, uh, but it's the idea of not leaving a whole bunch of things for your children to deal with after you die. So basically leaving like a tidy, neat existence. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, she's been going through and clean. I don't think she's uh, expecting to die eminently. My my
1: dad's done the same thing. Right. And so so, uh,
2: just very recently this past week, she presented me with a duffel bag uh, (laughs) full of things that she thought I might want to go through before I threw them out. And it is like a crazy treasure trove of things that I've been going back to like in grade two, I I played the ugly duckling uh, in the uh, uh, school play. And so I remember doing that, but I don't remember making like handwritten advertisements. <laughs> so there was a handwritten advertisement for it that I, uh, and uh, I mean, there's, but yeah, so it's been interesting to, I'm, I'm glad that those things were kept. Yeah. I was glad I, I'm able to revisit them now, but mm-hmm. uh, I haven't consciously kept them. Yeah. I, I I'm more looking forward, looking so, to the future. So will you will you keep them
0: now that uh, they've been given to you? Uh yeah,
2: may, maybe We we won't think you're a bad person yeah. if you get rid of them. I, or
0: I won't anyway. Yeah. I, I, I <laughs> might I might
2: get rid of them just through sheer negligence. Like I might <laughs> you might I might just be like Oh, uh, have you seen those Here's things? a duffel bag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, like, you know, three years from now, I'm like, oh, do you, do you remember those things? And then they'd be like, no, I don't know. I haven't seen them. I'm like, oh, I guess they're gone. Like, I, mean, I don't think I would consciously throw them out uh, at this point because some of them, are, like, they're, they're really, like, I've been enjoying, uh, looking at them. Uh, well, if you
1: if you keep sharing them with us on yeah, uh, on yeah. Instagram, They're, that's sort yeah. of like an epistolary well, novel of Instagram sorts. Forever. Yes, one
2: which almost ties into this book because this book takes place in Seattle. Uh, so I, I found a picture of it was me in my high school graduation gown, but that's mm-hmm. not the important part. The important part is <laughs> b- over my shoulder because the picture was taken in my mom's uh, front hallway. A, over my shoulder, you could see a uh, chandelier, and uh, that's a fancy word for it—just like a light fixture <laughs> uh, that, that that hung there for my entire childhood and finally asked my mom like what it was and it's a replica of sputnik that the former owners of the house brought back from the seattle's world's fair in 1962 and i thought that was like the most amazing thing That's and wild, my yeah. mom doesn't <laughs> have it anymore so, the, so when i saw this picture this week i was like oh my god there's actual photographic evidence of this thing because i remembered it and now it's it's no longer exists in the world but it did for one time in my uh, parents in my childhood home which I think is pretty crazy.
3: I want that. I know light fixture. Yeah, maybe I can
2: even. <laughs>
0: did you ever look it up on eBay? Maybe. No, maybe it's I never on. did.
3: Yeah. It to be like four million dollars now.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: and what kind of person goes to a World's Fair and brings some like
0: a, <laughs> a, light a light fixture? fixture. <laughs> like I, you know. Lately, I've been like, I, I want like nerdy souvenir things or things that I like, but like, I only want useful things. Like, when I mm-hmm. went to Alcatraz, uh, they were selling replica spoons. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have an Alcatraz spoon. That sits I was waiting my... to hear what <laughs>
1: useful thing you were going to bring <laughs> yeah. back out of
0: Alcatraz.
2: That'd be awesome they came up with the Alcatraz line of like flatware. Shanks. You know, yeah. where it's like, here's a serving. Here's a
0: serving You know, <laughs> if my whole flatware set at home could be Alcatraz, it would be, here's a nice warming. Tray, yeah.
3: <laughs> So, do you use it or is it like decorative?
0: No, no, I use it. it. I use hangs it. on the wall decorative spoon. my grandma collected decorative spoons, it yeah, but, no, um, it's a thing. so it's in the DNA. Yeah, it's in, well, in she's
3: the She's a grandma, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she also spent <laughs> some time some in point. Alcatraz. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're all from her stays in Alcatraz. <sighs>
1: Anyways. Well, whenever I read a book like this that has all the letters in there, it does make me wish I had kept more, actually, just mm-hmm. because I think, yeah, then when you piece it all together, I think everybody has a story to tell. And But it's
3: all I, online now. Like, there's so much... Of your
1: story online, that would thank o- you, that Facebook. Would,
3: that would have otherwise been in letters, right? Yeah, that's why. That's why we're not doing letters now.
1: Yeah. Although I have a friend who still sends me. Actually, I have a couple of friends who still send me postcards all the time. Postcards are I awesome. I love that.
2: I'll send yeah. people postcards. Yeah. From- places and one of my cousins will always she travels around the world a whole lot she always sends a postcard to uh our daughter yeah and uh so that's always kind of fun to get those in the mail too it's always yeah. fun to get postcards right yeah like i it's fun mean to get any mail i always yeah.
3: buy postcards and then i'm too lazy to like write a message mm-hmm. and yeah. put them in the mailbox so then i just have
0: postcards hmm. we we did from st- where have- i went we did have some people writing in who still write letters. Uh, Jazzy5164 says that, uh, yes, I still write in male letters. Uh, I don't think my daughter who is 14 will ever do this, though, which is interesting to think maybe the letter will die out in, in another
2: generation. Or we'll come back to
3: like vinyl. Like vinyl.
2: (laughs) After the zombie apocalypse, when uh, we'll just all be using, like, uh, Birch bark to write on? Speaking of
0: vinyl and letters, apparently there's something called a vinyl postcard, which is, like, a little piece of printed paper, and they have, like vinyl record on top of it that you can apparently play on a record machine which i just got one the other day because i i got the better call Saul collector's edition and it came with a one of these postcards so i'll have to try it out if only there were somewhere where i could go that had a turntable (laughs) does anyone have any ideas where that could be
2: (laughs) Yes.
4: you could go to the idea mill (laughs) alan
0: that's a great idea i'll have to
1: check that out (laughs) (laughs)
2: This whole thing has been a half-hour promo for the (laughs) DML. Thank you, everybody. Now we're going to start the podcast.
1: (laughs) My mom used to, uh, when we went on family vacations and road trips, she would record her letters back home because we were in Europe. And she would record her letters back home on a tape recorder. And then her parents then kept those tapes. And, yeah, again good to know where there's still a tape recorder to listen to those tapes at the idea mill but that's really trippy to like listen to tapes of your mom with a really high pitch voice because it's really old tape talking about you know camping in sweden or whatever and what a monster my sister han laura was and you know that kind of thing yeah it's yeah i wish we did more of that So, maybe vinyl postcards will be, you know, sort of Mm -hmm. bringing that kind of thing back. Back. You know, and you were just saying you wondered if maybe, like, teenagers or, like, the 14-year-old wouldn't be writing letters, but... Oh, never more! My uh, set on uh, on Instagram. My best friend lives in Seattle with her family. Her little boy, seven years old, is my pen pal. We write to each other occasionally, and I try to include a drawing with each of my letters. I grew up with pen pals myself, and always thought it was magical to anticipate and receive a letter. For a kid who has everything, I hope it's something he thinks is as special as I did growing up.
2: Isn't that lovely? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she'll spark the next generation to pick up the slack.
1: Yeah. And well, and maybe other people hearing this might be, might say, Oh, I know a a kid that I could write letters to. Yeah. Roadside attraction addict said, I still write and keep letters. Although I only write sporadically. I do send a lot of postcards though. Email is another matter. I used to keep it, but the volume was just too much. So I stopped keeping them. Mm. But postcards. Yay.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting to think about email in the sense that I don't know how much actual letters get written through email. Like you would write a long explanatory email, you know, t- or or an email love letter or something like that. I'm just I'm wondering how often that happens via email because m- most of it's like short and almost replaced
2: by text message yeah, at this I was point. Yeah,
3: say everything's text now. Yeah.
2: Maybe it's a generational thing, because I know I have a, an aunt who is almost 90, but she sends emails, but they're written like she's writing letters. Like they're yes. very formal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just love getting them because, you Dear know, family. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and she, that's what she's used to. Well, and uh, the fact that she's using a, com- a computer at all, you know, uh, at this advanced age is super great. But I just love getting these. It's written in her voice. Well, you can just hear her saying them. Speaking mm-hmm. speaking of formal, when I write emails, I find it really
0: hard not to have the um, the address or what do you call it when you say dear someone there's Salut- a, the salutation, salutation. Uh, and then the the signature at the end. Um, like I always say, dear so and so, and I always write Cheers, Alan, at the end. And and that's not I I don't even like having that automated. Like mm-hmm. I, it feels wrong for me not to write. C H yeah. E E R S, comma enter Allen. So <laughs> whenever you see that, I actually type that out. Oh, <laughs> right. it's a lot more I agree. Meaningful I'm now. the same. Yeah, I don't yeah. know
3: if it was like the way we were taught,
0: mm-hmm.
3: like email etiquette or something. Mm-hmm. But I find it very. <clears throat> it's very seldom that I'll reply, even in replies.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find
3: it hard not to say hi so mm-hmm. yeah. and so,
0: yeah. and then sign
3: at the end. Yeah. So like, unless it's like us and we're back and forth, you know, like every like ten minutes, like yeah. sometimes happens <laughs> with emails. That's the only time, but.
2: Hey, Alan. Hey, Trevor. Are you excited about all this talk about Friends recently? Yeah, for sure. You mean Friends of the Library, right? Oh, no, no. I was thinking about the 25th anniversary of beloved uh, NBC sitcom Friends. Could you be any more excited? I wasn't thinking about
0: that, but nice Chandler voice, though... I was thinking about Winnipeg Public Library's Friends of the Library. Did you know that they've been extremely helpful in supporting and funding various projects in all public libraries across the city?
2: Well, I know they support our Writer-in-Residence program and our Spring Break programming at all the branches. They sure do. And they were responsible for making sure every
0: branch received those super cute puppy stools in the children's areas. I didn't know that. Yeah. You know all those cool literacy playgrounds that the branches are getting? Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Well, the Friends helped fund those too, including the one at St. Boniface Library. It's the first one in the city to be in French and English. Bueno. That's Spanish.
2: How can I find out more about
0: these Friends of the Library? They have a great website at friendswpl.ca where you can learn about all the great things they do for Winnipeg Public Libraries.
2: How do they do it all?
0: Well, one of their main sources of funding is their annual fall book sale. It's coming up on Saturday, October 25th and Sunday, October 26th at Grant Park High School. Two days? And you don't want to miss out. Last year, the Friends raised over $23,000 from the book sale alone.
2: That is way more exciting than the TV show.
0: Friends of the Library, they'll be there for you when they're rain starts to pour you guys want to hear what i thought the saddest part of the book was yes God, okay.
1: they found Bernadette.
0: No, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: she was alive and they were all happy at the end. <laughs> surprisingly,
0: not. Uh, I, although that was disappointing. Uh, no, it was the uh, do you guys remember the auction item at Gaylor
2: Street School? Yeah, yeah, I thought you were gonna well, mention that. That was to me, okay, yeah, you go, yeah, you go, you where, you go. where it's, it's like
0: uh, they talk about um there was the documents and it said third uh, grade parent Bernadette Fox will design a treehouse for your child supply all materials and build it herself and I guess the school was doing a fundraising auction uh, and then they contacted the head of the school who replied according to our records this auction item received no bids and went unsold yeah. which was just like oh
3: man they missed out they,
0: yeah. they missed out
2: and it was maybe Fools. her way of almost trying to do one small positive step yeah. towards yeah. her creativity you know like yeah you, you, you and know, to all reach out out, right? to reach out exactly and, and that's how and how was it received and it get was involved. not received yeah, yeah. cuz yeah. these rich
4: Small-minded, well,
2: small-minded people probably don't even know who she is. Or well, they know. obviously didn't know. No, who she they, was, but yeah, well, because she
1: wasn't part of the email train, email yeah. thread. I, I right? That they were like both. They taken were off so the email. <laughs>
2: like I love that both, both Elgie and Everett yeah. yeah. were like, you know, just take us off this. Yeah, like, yeah.
0: It was so so great. Yeah. But it reminded me of um you guys know the artist Banksy.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: apparently one time he like set up shop on the New York street corner and was like selling paintings on the streets and not saying who he was and just like. Like didn't sell any of them, and I guess it made big news because had you bought one, it would be worth like hundreds of thousands mm. of dollars or yeah. something like that. So mm. it's it goes to show how when going for items like this, it's the clout of the person the almost. Yeah, yeah, the context. Because yeah. um, that treehouse would have been worth like
1: just Lots like of money. Well, it, and it would have been beautiful. And it would have yeah. really been sourced it, with local materials. <laughs> yeah, <of
3: course. laughs> <Of course. laughs> I love that. I love picturing her like eyeglass frame instructions. You're right. Like, all knitted. Of
1: all of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that all the uh, contractors I, sort of sitting there knitting. knitting. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> I love that too.
0: Yeah. Do you think she would continue to do like to impose that restriction upon herself? Because I always, I kind of thought that that was like a one shot thing that that was like the restrictions she placed for that house because that's what she wanted to do at the time. But yeah. if she were to do other projects in the future, she would find different constraints.
4: Or, well, the Antarctica
3: or, one is quite similar. In go that, on. Well, in that, in that, there's the really strong constraints of where things can oh, come right. from yes. and how it yes. could be built. It yes. seems like that's really where her passion is. So yeah. if it's not, you know, specifically X number of miles, it might be everything has to come from here or everything has to be super light or like she'll be building for the space station or something
1: like that. But she doesn't go into a space and, and dictate what it's supposed to look like. She lets the space talk to her yeah. and, and dictate to her. The, the, the function defines the form. Mm-hmm. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I just take a moment? I really want to do a shout out to Alison, who I just ran into at an event on Sunday and I had no idea, but she has listened to every single one of our podcasts, oh. and she loves it so much. So I wanted to say hi, Allison. Hi, hi Allison. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Thanks so <Yeah>. much.
2: <laughs> and, and before I forget, too, I just wanted to add this one thing. Uh, <laughs> you know, we always love to hear from our, our readers. We, we get lots of emails, texts, and this is an email we received this month. So let me just read it uh, to you verbatim. Nice day, dear friend. <laughs> Hope this email find you well. And then there's sort of like a happy face emoji, but it's two triangles and a little face. This is Mr. Fan from China Ixan Furniture Factory. We are a set of production sales as one of the professional manufacturing dining chair, office chair, bow chair, soft bag chair, and I miss desk chair. After I viewed your website, I thought you might be interested in our products. Please visit our website. Any question, just feel free to let me know. Hope to hear from your good news. Best regards, Mr. Fan. <laughs> oh,
1: so, he's, a literally,
4: fan. he's literally, literally a fan. Literally a fan. Oh, and, yeah. uh, fan. And I thought that
2: was great. I mean, I wonder how he likes the books, <laughs> you know? Um, so, Mr. Fan, if you're out there... <laughs> you know, thanks for writing it. What did
3: you think about Bernadette?
2: Uh, yeah. But the reason I, obviously it's spam. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just put it in there. Yeah, we but, acknowledge but, that we know but, that this but is, but what you know. made me think of reading this was because of that wonderful relationship between Manjula and mm-hmm. Bernadette and how yeah. she, you know, of course, spoilers, Manjula turns out to be a terrible fraud. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, was providing a kind of an outlet for Bernadette. And in fact, at the very end, she said, yeah, I would have given all my information, yes. you know, like, mm-hmm. like at that point, you yeah. know, I mean, yeah, she
3: calls her her only friend. Yeah. You
2: know, like, oh, that's right. like, oh, <laughs> so i'm almost tempted to reply to mr fan and start kind of a bernadette manjula relationship but I, I haven't uh done that yet before but... you know it you'll be giving him all your
1: personal <laughs> <inspiration. Exactly. laughs> but
2: think of all the excellent furniture i'll
1: have <laughs> <laughs> let chairs. him know you have some Office swedish desk cleaning that yeah. you'd like to do I'm maybe sure he could an, help you with an that
2: i miss desk chairs i'm gonna look that up
3: mr fan would know
2: <laughs> mr fan but okay
3: thank you for sharing that mm-hmm
0: so, raging against society. Uh, I know some of us might rage against spam uh, or find it <laughs> hilarious, uh, as in as in this case. We said Bernadette rages against society, the big and the small. What makes you rage? What makes your blood boil? Everything. What doesn't? What doesn't? <laughs> Lately? Yeah. I feel like I'm pretty easygoing. That's not to say I don't. Be enraged by things at times, but sometimes I do like you daylight can? savings time. Oh, yeah, the worst.
2: Tell us about that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I,
1: I, I can't actually rage about that. I can really? rage about anything, I, but, but not daylight, daylight, no. daylight no. savings so time. It's so disruptive! <laughs> like,
0: it's, it's so disruptive, and it's one of those weird things that falls into the things that's like annoying, and we could probably change it, but that it would take a lot of logistical work to do it, and no one cares enough to do it, mm-hmm. so that it just we're gonna have to suffer with You're it. You're just gonna have to suck I'm it up. Have to suck yep. it up or move to Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan.
1: Yeah.
3: Actually, what I don't like is when we go off daylight savings time. Mm-hmm. I like the degree of daylight, whatever that we're on now. Yeah. But over the winter, when we go to when we go off daylight savings time and it gets dark so early, that's when I'm like, why are we doing this? Yeah. yeah. Why are we making it dark at 4 p.m.?
1: It's for the cows, right? It's that's for, why. It's I, always the cows. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: No, no we, they oh. blame the farmers, but it's like <laughs> D- factor.
2: This D- is shaking. His it has head. to do I'll with like, what, lighting. I, I with think the like, cows have had their way long enough. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> it's never been about the cows no, because it, farmers wake up when the cows do they they, they don't, don't care what time it is
2: no it has to
3: do I believe it has to do with factories and the amount of electricity needed to keep interior
2: lights it's gone. the patriarchy man
3: well you're
1: joking but yeah okay alright you've convinced me I will rage Yay. against daylight savings because I always rage against the patriarchy <laughs> it doesn't work for anybody
3: no Daylight savings time. Boo.
0: There's a federal election coming up, maybe. (laughs) (laughs)
3: I'm a single vote.
0: I'm a single issue voter. Single issue voter. I'm gonna start my own political party, the the (laughs) abolish daylight savings time party. Oh. Actually, I
3: wonder where the major political parties stand on daylight savings time. Now I'm going to have to look it up.
0: Well, yeah. when they come knocking on your door, you <laughs> <will ask> <laughs> want to see like a, a visu- visible confusion about <laughs> yes. their stats on the very controversial They'll daylight savings just pivot. time. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm guessing, unfortunately, it probably falls under provincial jurisdiction because Saskatchewan is is on uh um, chance. But, yeah, we missed our chance to, to do something like next election. I guess so. We also talked about creativity. So Bernadette is an architect who hasn't worked as an architect for years. Do creative folks need to be creative in order to really fully live?
1: Because didn't they say at some point in the book, if you don't create, you will be a menace to society? society.
3: Yeah. Well, I think that's why she's so miserable in Seattle. I don't think it has really anything that much to do with Seattle. I think she's just like, yeah, she's not creating. And so her brain is eating itself. But I don't know if that's just you know, so-called creative people, no. I think everybody benefits from some sort of creative endeavor. And that could be maybe they like to cook, but I think everybody needs that.
0: Yeah. Do people self-identify as creative
1: folks around this table? Here? Yeah. Probably. I don't know. I, I would say, I would say creative, but in a very broad sense, like <laughs> I'm not creative the way I think. Bernadette was creative. Bernadette, well, definitely not the way Bernadette <laughs> was, or even I think where the way Erica is, I think Erica is more creative than,
3: I don't know, I think. Hands-on I, I
1: creativity. Think,
3: I don't, I don't know what I create, but <laughs> yeah. I think that when I am able to indulge my creative side, I am much happier.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think this podcast is a creative endeavor. It's just gonna throw like, that it out that there. That's true, yeah. and
1: I'm, and I feel like I'm less of a menace to society.
0: <laughs> by
2: part of it. So, really, this podcast is a benefit in a lot of ways, yeah, yeah, really, really, yeah, to the right. whole community. Yeah. yeah,
3: it's a public service. You're welcome.
2: Do you think of yourself as creative trevor well i I'll answer yes as long as there aren't any follow-up questions <laughs> <laughs> no go on <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah right. I think I think I'm creative, but I'm not like in the sort of like the conventional creative way mm-hmm. like like, I can't, I can't, I'm not, I'm not an artist in like mm-hmm. drawing or, you know, sculpting or. You're a great storyteller. I, but yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can, you know, come up with stories or, you mm-hmm. uh, know. Weave uh, a yarn. R- yeah. I've, you know, I enjoy writing things and whatever. Like, yeah. So there's, there's those sides, but whether you call that creative, I mean, I suppose mm-hmm. it is, Absolutely. but, uh, but yeah, I wouldn't be like, I guess creative is different than being an artist.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Would you say, or is mm-hmm. it just different words for the same thing?
0: I would
3: say.
2: Because I, I don't think, think I, would. I think the Venn diagrams overlap. Yeah. There's some I overlap. I guess I would feel more comfortable <laughs> saying I'm creative than saying I'm an artist because then for yeah. sure there'd be no follow up questions <laughs> <laughs> because they'd be like, well, what kind of art do you do? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> you know, <I> just
4: <laughs> As a person who's written a lot of songs, when I was in my most creative period, I did find that when I wrote a song, I felt good and I was good for a while. Mm. and then if i didn't write for a while i'd I'd feel more tense and i'd feel a lot of pent-up energy that didn't go away until i finished a song Mm.
3: yeah Mm. i totally get that interesting
0: yeah yeah there's there's that artistic release too i think when when it comes to creative something is creating something where you're like ha i've i've got it out of my system Mm -hmm. it's it's gone and then you can leave it behind and move on to the to the next thing I think that's why maybe
2: like journaling can be so therapeutic too, because it gives you a chance to get your thoughts physically out, out and onto a piece of paper. And then, even if it's just for your own uh, your own reading, not for an audience other than yourself, then it's a way that you kind of feel like I've accomplished this. There it is, It's on the paper, and now turn the page. Literally, turn the page mm-hmm. and move on too. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. Cool.
4: I'm Brenda Scabaris, author of Starland, a book of poems. And you're listening to Time to Read, a Winnipeg Public Library podcast.
0: Speaking of turning the page, I think it's time to segue into our most awkwardly worded segment. Can you tell me a book you would also like?
1: Well, segued though. <laughs> that was good.
0: <laughs> I really wanted to ask Trevor if he actually journals. So I was like, oh, I want to go into that deeper. But I guess uh, that's a topic for
2: another day. Yeah, stay tuned for a future episode. <laughs> We're going to read Trevor's <laughs> journals
3: next month. <laughs> Till he finds out and then Your
2: just i really dislike my co-hosts uh, on this podcast
1: well i've also um awkwardly called this yeah another book you might like or the book i was reading alongside and instead of where'd, where'd you go burn it at um wait did you finish where'd you go burn it at i did i'd read it actually a long long time ago oh, okay. and so i just was like quickly rereading oh, okay, yeah. it, but very, very yeah. quick. Yeah. Kristen
2: yeah. yeah. read so long ago that her copy has a question mark. On it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <clears throat> so my book is Little Fish by Casey Plett, which might seem to be a bit of an odd choice. There these the two books are very, very different. So Little Fish is a, a very honest very real heartbreaking riveting story about Wendy, who is a 30 year old trans woman living in Winnipeg. but there's a bit of a mystery in there. She comes across evidence that her late grandfather, a devout Mennonite, might have also been trans himself, so she's trying to uncover this this mystery. And where Seattle figured very prominently in where'd you go Bernadette Winnipeg, is quite a huge character in this book, um, in Little Fish. And instead of the rain and gloom of Seattle, most of the book is set in winter in Winnipeg. So it definitely uh, has that chill, that wintry cold. You can just feel it as you're reading it. So it's a really beautiful, very complex book. I've never read anything quite like it. Um, the characters are really Difficult and wonderful, all at the same time. There's some really great dialogue and conversation centering around Wendy and her um, very close knit group of trans friends, but and also um, Wendy and her Mennonite family. It's a unique voice, like I said. I haven't read anything from this sort of vantage or perspective. And to use a word that I think a number of you hate, I found it unput downable. Ah. <laughs> ah. um, and, that is uh, Little Fish by
0: Casey Plett. And did you say Casey Plett is a Winnipeg author? She or, lives
1: in Windsor now, but okay. um, uh, she must have lived here, though. <laughs> because <laughs> She nails the description. Of, oh, of, yeah, yeah. All of the descriptions of cousins and Stella's and all these different places. Yeah. Woolsley. Anyway, great book. Mm. Good. So, a
0: few episodes ago, I took some flack for um, <coughs> recommending a song instead of a book. So, I'm going to continue pushing boundaries with my oh, selection this boundaries. month. Pushing boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a badass. Um, so, I'm going to recommend You Can Count On Me, which was an original movie released in 2000, but I'm not recommending the movie. Um, although I'm kind (laughs) of recommending the movie. What I'm really recommending is the screenplay by writer-director Kenneth uh, Lonergan, which is available in print at WPL. Uh, So you can't actually check out the movie at WPL, but you can check out the screenplay. I'll allow it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And so the interesting thing about screenplays is that they're rarely published for public consumption. Like we don't have like a big screenplay section. Um, And I always kind of wondered why that was. And the answer is stupidly simple. And in the introduction of this copy of the screenplay basically the screenplay of a finished film will never really be will never again be brought to life the way the text of a play will be Um, so that's why they print plays because people will produce them but they don't really print screenplays because people aren't going to make the film again or if they do they're probably going to do a reboot with a whole new screenplay so i think it says a lot when a script is available uh, like this one and i'm recommending you can count on me based on its themes of family reunions and overcoming family dynamics Uh, the story revolves around the reunion of an orphaned brother and sister after many years apart. The sister has chosen to stay in the small town they grew up in, while the brother has tried to find his way in the wider world. Uh, and they both struggle to come to terms with the decisions that they've made in life. Super good screenplay and movie.
3: Nice. I have... Three.
2: <laughs> oh boy
3: but i'm only gonna really talk about one
2: i should have gone first speaking of pushing boundaries
0: yes. <laughs> i'm
3: just gonna mention them because they're really good epistol epistle books my favorite in that genre is the guernsey literary and potato peel pie society by yes. uh, barrows and schaefer i'm yeah i'm not gonna say any more about that because it's fabulous <laughs> um check it out if you haven't there's another one by uh, Canadian author Sylvan Newfeld. It's a sci-fi called Sleeping Giants, and there's two follow-up books. That's awesome sci-fi told through documents and interviews and stuff like that. Um, but the one that I'm actually going to talk about is An Absolutely Remarkable Thing by Hank Green, uh, which is told in the first mm. person, but it also includes emails and texts and bits of the stories told through YouTube clips because that's how she documents this. So I'm just going to read you the little synopsis. Roaming through New York City at 3am, April May stumbles across a giant sculpture. Delighted by its appearance and craftsmanship, like a 10-foot tall transformer wearing a suit of samurai armor, April and her friend make a video with it, which they upload to YouTube. The next day, April wakes up to a viral video and a new life. News quickly spreads that these sculptures are in dozens of cities around the world, Seizing the opportunity to make her mark on the world, April now has to deal with the consequences of her new particular brand of fame and the consequences on her relationships, her safety, and her own identity. And all eyes are on April to figure out just what these scarptuals are and what they want from us. It's so good.
2: Well, you know, following up on uh, Erica's idea is my book pick, which if the thing that you liked about Where Do You Go, Bernadette, is the idea that it's written as a collection of letters and uh, emails and back and forth. then the book that I picked, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. It's called Attachments by Rainbow Roll. You may remember Rainbow Roll is the author of Eleanor and Park that we discussed last year. But this was her first novel, and it was written for adults. So I'll just read the, the, the description. It's, the story follows a man whose job it is to read email correspondence for the employees of his company to make sure they are in compliance with policy. <laughs> so in lo- and, and the whole novel is told between emails between two female employees. So it's, in long emails, pals Beth and Jennifer trade gossip over their romances. Beth, with her marriage-phobic boyfriend Chris and Jennifer with her baby-mania-stricken husband, Mitch. What they don't know is that the newly hired computer guy, Lincoln, an internet security officer charged with weeding out all things unnecessary or pornographic, is reading their messages. But Lonely Lincoln lets the gals slide on their inappropriate office mail and gets hooked on their soapy dalliances, falling head over heels for the unlucky-in-love Beth. Now, On his face, it could be really creepy, (laughs) but she handles it with, like, humor, and it's clever, and it's just, uh, it's like a, it would make a great Mm rom-com, and uh, it's very, very satisfying. So, Attachments by Rainbow Roll.
3: Cute.
0: Good. Okay, and now it's time for everyone's favorite segment, Nerd Words for Word Nerds, the part of each show where our hosts boil down their most prevalent thoughts of the past month into one word. So, who wants to start us off?
2: Well, you know, I'm going to start just because uh, this is uh, maybe a time to read first where my word uh, has actually been talked about several times already. And Mm. I had to sit on my hands while (laughs) So, my word is epistolary. I can't even say it. <laughs> epistolary?
1: epistolary. Epistolary. Thank you. Which
2: has been defined comes from the word epistle, which uh, is for letter. So it's uh, literary works based on the conceit that it's you're reading a bunch of letters and correspondence and things. So I didn't initially think I liked the genre. But then I, I looked at a few and just sort of like with Erica, and I found some novels I have enjoyed, but one that always bugs me is Anne of Windy Poplars by Lucy Maud Montgomery. It's my least favorite of the Anne Green Gables letters. And because they're all one-sided letters, all you see is Anne writing letters to her fiancé, Gilbert, you never get his responses so you always just think like she's like badgering him or like she's stalking him because she just sends all these letters and it's just kind of like and give it up like like she, he's not responding but that's not the case he is responding you just don't see them but i mean i'm just gonna like carry by stephen king i totally forgot that was uh, like that um uh, course there was a the martian which was uh, made into that movie oh, with right um, yeah uh, uh, matt damon, matt damon by yeah. andy weir uh, and one of my favorite ones, uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid series, which is super funny for adults too. Yeah. Like I laugh out loud when I read them to my daughter, and, sh- and I don't, I-, I can hardly get through them. And the last <laughs> one I thought was kind of cool uh, is that if you think of every Star Trek series, it's also uh, epistolary because they're oh. uh, captain's <gasps> logs. Oh. Uh, so oh, in a way, true. in a meta way, yeah. they're all mm-hmm. they're all told that way. So epistolary. I can't pronounce it, but I know it is. <laughs>
1: And 84 Trying Cross Road, too. I really like Oh, yeah. Like it's, on my, it's on my list. And I And it's it. a really short book, too, which I also love. It's like is it's five pages. Is, is the Prestige no. on your list? No.
0: no. Oh, no. no. Is that also Helen... one? Uh, it is, but the movie's better. The book kind of. Uh, no. Yeah.
1: Helen uh, Hanf, I oh, think, no, yeah. is uh, Scotland 84 Trying Cross Road. Mm. Yeah.
2: Helen Hemp. Exactly. Very good. Ooh, yeah. You get to move to the uh, the lightning round. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll just shout out The Woman in White by Wilkie Collins. That's one of my wife's favorite stories. Yeah. I didn't realize it was epistolary. Interesting. I'm not going to read it, but I <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to give it a shout out.
3: Um, I'll go next just because my word is relatively uh, regular. It's clever. I think it maybe came out of reading this book as well. Like This book is Often described as clever. But I was like, well, that's one of those words. The more you say it, the weirder. It's like, where does clever come from? What's clever. that about? Clever. Um, anyway, it's defined as skillful use of hands or body, like nimble, clever fingers, or be mentally quick and resourceful, like a clever young lawyer, or two, marked by wit or ingenuity, a clever idea, a clever solution, a place, clever dialogue. Interestingly, this is the interesting part about it to me. Uh, the first known use of clever is from 1595, and the, the very first sense is in skillful use of your hands or body. And it comes from the Middle English, perhaps originally of Scandinavian origin, for alert and skillful. So I just like, we don't usually use it as the physical clever, yeah. as clever hands. We use it more for our, our brains now, mm. but uh, that was not the original. Done. I like that.
2: mm me too.
0: So my nerd word is nonplussed, which good word. <coughs> which Bernadette defines in the book as, as you may know, uh, which is a good word and is also a very confusing word. And depending on how you think about language, very often used incorrectly. But what really got me was Bernadette's definition, which was so surprised and embarrassed that one doesn't know how to react, which confused me because I don't generally think of nonplussed as embarrassed, and I'm like that can't be right. So I looked up some definitions (laughs) to see. So Merriam-Webster says, unsure about what to say, think or do, perplexed. Dictionary.com says to render utterly perplexed, puzzle completely. Uh, Oxford English Dictionary says to surprise and confuse, to flummox. Womix, well, another good well, is a good one. Yeah. So yeah, so I didn't see any embarrassed in there. So I was like, maybe this is like a big joke because nonplussed also means, according to Webster's, not bothered, surprised, or impressed by something. So basically the opposite of the original definition. And some people argue as to whether or not you can use that as the definition because it's wrong. Um, and Fowler's Concise Modern English Usage says, in a recent development, nonplussed has come to mean unperturbed, the very opposite of the accepted meaning, probably by the association with the prefix non, which implies a negative meaning. So I thought maybe Maria Semple was trying to make a further joke by adding to the confusion, by adding embarrassed to the definition. Hmm. That was until I found the Collins Dictionary, (laughs) 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 which says you feel confused and unsure how to react as the definition, and synonyms are stunned, confused, and embarrassed. So there are some people out there who consider nonplussed as a synonym for
2: embarrassed.
3: So what does it mean? We don't know.
2: We don't (laughs) know. I wonder if it's like a regional thing, like different uh, countries might, if you say it, say in England or whatever, maybe Mm -hmm. it means people generally would know what it meant there versus Mm -hmm. in... Uh, North America, I don't. Well, know, or yeah,
0: well, it definitely says in the in the U.S. that it means not bothered or not impressed. That's definitely a U.S. usage. Mm. Um, so and th- maybe other countries know it better.
3: It's you see a similar thing with the word ambivalent, where mm. people use it to mean that they don't care. Mm-hmm. When like ambivalent means that you actually care a lot, mm. that you just have com- competing feelings about like it. Like disinterested
2: mm. disinterested, and uninterested. Like disinterested yeah. is just like non-biased. But or, un- how, or how yeah.
3: flammable and inflammable mean the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So it's
1: very confusing. Kirsten, do you have a I, word? I, I can tell that this is uh, Alan's favorite part of the uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah. When he talked about everybody's favorite part of the podcast. <gasps> this is Alan's. He goes deep, deep, deep. Like I consulted all the dictionaries. Seven dictionaries. <laughs> seven, Yes. <laughs> Um, My word is chapbook. Um, I've been talking a lot about chapbooks this last month or so. And lots of people don't know or hadn't heard of it, or and sometimes they're a little embarrassed. Like, what is a chapbook? So <laughs> let me tell you: the tradition of chapbooks arose in the 16th century, as soon as printed books became affordable, and rose to its height during the 17th and 18th century. Um, they're all the term is also used for present day publications, commonly short and expensive booklets. It derives from the word meaning a salesman or these peddlers and hawkers who used to sell such books. So they were chap men who used to sell these books. So the printers would provide the chap books to the chap men on credit who carried them around the country, selling them from door to door, shouting out, if you want to buy, I'm your chap. Um, (laughs) And what else can I tell you about chapbooks? Chapbook peddlers actually had to be licensed. And in 1696, there were 2,500 of them authorized in England. In France, there were 3,500 of them licensed. Chapbooks were an important medium for the dissemination of popular culture to the common people and uh, valued as a record of popular culture, preserving cultural artifacts that may not survive in other form. They were looked down on by the literary establishment, which called them penny dreadfuls, which is another cool word. And interesting little final fact. uh, Stephen King wrote a few parts of an early draft of The Plant and sent them out as chapbooks to his friends instead of Christmas cards in 1982, 1983 and 1985.
0: So chapbook is my word. Nice word. Good one. Okay. Unfortunately, we have to sign off for this month. So thank you so much, dear readers, for tuning into this, the XXI episode of the Time to Read podcast. In October, join us as we read Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut in celebration of its 50th anniversary. Get in on the conversation by finding us on Facebook or emailing us at wpl-podcast.winnipeg.ca. We'd love it if you hit subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast service. We'd love it even more if you were to give us a five-star rating. And until next time, make
4: sure you find Time Time to Read. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Time to Read podcast. We were talking about Where'd You Go Bernadette by Maria Semple. Time to Read is a production of the Winnipeg Public Library. Our panel today included Alan Chorney, Kirsten Werman, Erica Ball, and Trevor Lockhart. Our webmaster is Aaron Seaburn. Our social media guru is Regan Brew. Audio production, music, and occasional comments by Dennis Penner. Some of the comments from this episode came from Kerry, Jazzy5164, O Never Morrow, and Roadside Attraction Addict. Special shout-out to Allison for listening to every episode, and to Mr. Fan, who is apparently also a fan and another special shout out to Gemma Swan on YouTube for having a tutorial on how to play the Friends theme on ukulele. You can be part of the show too. Email us at wpl-podcast at winnipeg.ca with suggestions for books that you'd like us to read and discuss, and comments and questions about the books we're reading for our next show. Visit us on the web at wpl-podcast.winnipeg.ca. Check out our show notes with links to some of the things we talked about today, and take part in a discussion about the books we're reading. You can also join our Facebook group. Next month, we're reading Slaughterhouse 5 by Kurt Vonnegut. We're looking forward to hearing what you think about it.
2: Human, torch Mr. human torch, Mr. Fantastic, Mr. Fantastic, Sue Storm, was- the Invisible Girl, Invisible Woman. Too. <laughs> <laughs> or
3: a podcast called Trevor Free Associates. And Trevor just free associates with thoughts in his brain. I would listen
1: to that. I would so listen to that. <laughs>
3: Especially first week in the morning.
4: Good morning, everybody. This is what I'm thinking about. <laughs> I saw this thing Bacon. on the side of the bus. And was- <laughs> Pancakes, Perkins, why is everything closing? Fake news. <laughs>